Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. Thanks for watching our internet edition of Nightline. I'm Martin Bashir. Today we examine the Christian practice of speaking in tongues. Those outside the church often say it's nothing more than gibberish, but some Christians claim that it's the purest form of prayer, beyond the constraints of normal language. Nightline's Vicky Mabry reports on the science of speaking in tongues. It is an ancient practice mentioned in the Bible. St. Paul called it speaking in the tongues of angels. Jesus' apostles were first said to do it at Pentecost. The technical term is glossolalia. Most people call it speaking in tongues. There's a vast number of people out there that because they did not personally experience it or have been taught against it all their lives, there's no way they have an ability to embrace it. So that's common. We're still mocked and made fun of. That's not stopping Pastor Jerry Stoltzfus or others in his congregation at the Freedom Valley Worship Center in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, from using what they say is a God-given gift. It's almost as if I'm able to tap into God's heart and what he wants. I get goosebumps, actually. You can feel him all around you, and you can feel him speaking through the words that you're saying. It almost sounds like a foreign language, but actually, those who speak in tongues are not saying anything in any known language. With the gift of tongues, I can trust the Holy Spirit to figure out what needs to be healed. He will use what sounds like gibberish, like any other language sounds like gibberish. Uh, he, he will interpret that for his purposes and his uses. All right, welcome everybody. Glad you're here for part three of our series, Firepower, 40 Days of the Holy Spirit. Today we are talking about speaking in tongues, the often misunderstood, sometimes controversial gifts, so get ready for that. But before we uh, dive into that, um, we got to celebrate because last week we had over four dozen people publicly stand up and say, I am receiving Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Can we welcome them to God's family? Praise God for you guys. That is a very exciting thing. And, uh, you know, even when we talk about, like, you know, supernatural gifts, you know, the most, the most incredible miracle that the Holy Spirit ever performs is when a single man or woman realizes their need for a Savior and accepts Christ. Amen? So this is a really important thing. And uh, if that was you, your next step is to get baptized. Fortunately for you, in two weeks, we have baptism coming up at every single liquid campus. So if you're a new Christian, or even if you're returning to faith after some time away, this is your next step as a Christ follower. Um, if you've never been baptized, it's really important. We've been making this connection right out of Acts chapter 2, where Peter said this to the crowd. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, so that's all of us, in the name of Jesus Christ for A, the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you're a believer, your next step is to become a receiver, okay? And that's what baptism is about. And uh, you can invite family and friends today in the lobby at your campus. We're giving away baptism bags. There's a CD in there with some other details about that. 
And in two weeks, um, we're going to have dozens of people stepping into the holy hot tub. We're going to have a hot tub at all of our campuses, not everyone at the same time. That's the Mormonism. And uh, sorry, sorry, Mormons. <laughs> and, uh, and here's the good news that your campus pastor is going to take you under the water, identifying with Christ. And here's the incredible news. We have, no one has drowned yet. We have baptized a thousand people. We got a streak going. So you sign up today at liquidchurch.com, grab a baptism bag. All right, today we're going to jump right into the phenomenon known as speaking in tongues. It is a miraculous gift that the Holy Spirit gives to some Christians after they receive Christ. We looked at this last week in Acts chapter 2, and today we're going to open the Word of God to 1 Corinthians 12 and chapter 14 and see what the Bible teaches about the benefits of spiritual language, because that's what speaking in tongues is. It's really a spiritual language that a follower of Jesus speaks and, follow and talks to God. It's not spoken by another human being. Sometimes a person talking doesn't even know exactly what they're saying, because it's in a language known only to God. And it's really a beautiful thing if you've ever experienced it. But for me, it's a little out of my comfort zone. Because I grew up uh, in a conservative evangelical church that really didn't practice any of the gifts of the Spirit. You know, we emphasize the Word and strong preaching. But that sort of thing just seems sort of weird, you know. Like, too subjective, you know. We're going to handle snakes next, you know. This was strange to me. Uh, and, you know, as a kid, you don't care. And, uh, in fact, our church was let, some of the leaders there were what you would call cessationists. That simply means they believe things like that no longer happened. So gifts of the Spirit like healing and prophecy and tongues, they said all that stuff ceased after the early church. In other words, once the original apostles got old and died, the canon of Scripture was closed, and all those gifts of the Spirit ceased, cessationists. That stuff doesn't happen anymore. That's how some of the leaders of the church I grew up with, thought about it. And I was okay with that because I'm a kid who you don't really care at all, right? Until I met my wife, Colleen, in college, who grew up in a charismatic church, okay? Little Pentecostal storefront church in the Bronx where all the gifts were welcome. And the first time I visited there over Thanksgiving break, they were waving flags in the service, you know? And, uh, you know, it was, they were laying hands on people. A guy stands up and starts speaking what sounded like gibberish. Another person stood up and said, I can interpret that. I'd never seen anything like this before, because the church I grew up in, people would barely open their lips to sing, okay, let alone speak in tongues. Uh, we actually had a nickname. People called us the Frozen Chosen. That's how I spent my first 14 years, you know. Frozen Chosen. During worship, you stand there frozen like trees, arms at your sides, you know. You know the movie Frozen, right? Let it go. Let it go. Raise my hands. Hell no. You know, you're not doing that, man. No. Baptist, man. We're Presbyterian. You know what I'm talking about, all right? Then I meet Colleen in college, and if we were frozen shows, and she was happy clappy, her church, okay, the woman next to me reached in her purse and pulled out a tambourine, <laughs> right? She had personal tambourine. And, uh, and the guy, and if you have yours, that's later, uh, you know, the guy leading worship, he's playing his guitar and like putting overheads like on the, the machine, and he's like, no, spirit, not that one. No, let's try this one. He started, no, no, it's not that one. And I lean over to Colleen, and I was like, I think this guy's winging it you know? And she's, like, <laughs> and she's like, no, we call it being led by the Spirit. And I said, whatever, I call it unprepared, you know? Like, this just doesn't... But the reality was, I had to confess, there was something very genuine and heartfelt about what I was witnessing. It wasn't just emotion. There was a palpable sense of God's Spirit in the, that room, filling that place, and filling those people. Uh, Colin and I had just started dating at the time, so I got to meet her mother, who spoke in tongues, and she, her mom, is one of the most tender-hearted and loving Christians I'd ever met, beautiful woman of God, just like my wife, and so I became 
a skeptic. I moved a click up, you see, from cessationist, believing all that stuff, you know, does, is fake to a skeptic. Open to the possibility that maybe this was real, but really not understanding how it worked and pretty sure it wasn't for me. And I realize that's where many of you are today. You're somewhere along this spectrum from conservative to charismatic. If you came from a background like me, you may be skeptical, but you're like, I'm open but cautious. I want to learn what God's word says about this practice. Awesome for you. Others of you are seekers. You're like, I would love to experience something like that. Speaking in tongues. Or maybe you're charismatic. Maybe you're like, hey, I came from Assemblies of God, or I'm, I'm a Pentecostal, and you are pumped. You are like, it is about time, you know? Liquid kind of rides the wave of the Spirit. I mean, after all, 600 million charismatics can't be wrong, right? That's the number of Christians around the world today who routinely practice speaking in tongues as part of their faith and practice. This is the fastest growing segment of Christianity around the globe. It's primarily exploding in Asia, Latin South America, and by 2020, over 1 billion believers will identify as charismatic Christians. Put that in perspective, as I did last week, that's one in seven people on the planet. Not one in seven Christians. One in seven people on the planet will be charismatic Christians. So the spirit is spreading like wildfire. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. For the next, you know, 30 minutes, would you just like put aside your labels, okay? Christians love labels, right? You know, well, he's a cessationist, she's spirit-filled. But for 40 days, could you just be open, you know, to like what might God want to do in our church? Because labels are limiting. If you wear a label, it is very hard to change. You can't, change, you can't even change a light bulb, right? You may have actually heard uh, a few of those jokes, right? How many charismatics does it take to change a light bulb? Ten. One to change the light bulb, nine to cast out a spirit of darkness. You know that one? How many conservatives are like, oh, no, you got it. Uh, how many fundamentalists does it take to change a light bulb? The Bible does not say anything about light bulbs, okay? Don't... Catholics are laughing. Don't laugh, Catholics. How many Catholics does it take to change a light bulb? None. They use candles. That's just, that's just the way it is. So you are welcome. We don't do labels at Liquid, all right? Everyone's welcome. So if you could be like happy, clappy, Pentecostal, you could be frozen, chosen, Presbyterian. Don't judge. Just be open today to what the Spirit's doing. And don't be afraid to take a step outside your comfort zone. Because we all have miles to grow, don't we? I mean, if there's more of God to experience, I want all of God, don't you? And here's the deal. Maybe you're here and you're not even a Christian yet. You're just like kind of kicking the tires of Christianity. Your friend invited you and you're like, oh, I knew it was going to be weird. Listen, think of this as like you get to eavesdrop on a family conversation. You're like, I always wondered about that. We're a family. We're at the kitchen table. We're kind of sorting through this stuff. And I hope that today's message is just going to inspire you to step outside your box, wherever you are, because the Holy Spirit will not be boxed in. Jesus says he blows wherever he will. And when he comes, he comes with firepower. So let's invite the Holy Spirit just to come and open our hearts. Spirit, we welcome you in this place. And right now, I just want at the outset, I repent, Lord, of any ways that we sometimes box you in. You're welcome in our church. You're welcome to all of it, God. So would you just come now, have your way in us. And if there's more to experience, we're open. We're open to whatever gifts you want to give and release in your children. Spirit, you are a spirit of truth and of unity. And so I ask, would you highlight the things that unite us, not divide us? Open our eyes as you open your word and lead us into the truth of Jesus. I pray everything that I preach today would just build up this church and draw us closer to Christ. It's in his name we pray. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right, so open up your Bible. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You can flip there on your phone. We put it in your notes as well. 
I want to give you a quick overview of speaking in tongues. What is the purpose of this gift, the benefits and limitations, and then steps that you can take if you feel like the Spirit is leading you to seek this gift in your own life. Because as I said, we have leaders at Liquid, including pastors, who speak in tongues. They have this private prayer language. And today, we're going to out them. No, just listen. I'm going to tell you my own story a little bit here on this. But last week, what we learned is that according to the Bible, there are really three kinds of tongues. The first one is the foreign language, like the original disciples experienced in Acts chapter 2. Last week, we saw when the Spirit fell on the believers at Pentecost, all of them started speaking a foreign language, right? Egyptian, Cretan, Arab, and people were amazed. They're like, how do these illiterate, uneducated fishermen speaking a foreign language? It was a miracle. God supernaturally empowered the disciples to testify about Jesus. And what that meant is suddenly the gospel, the good news of Jesus, wasn't limited to people who spoke Hebrew, right? Now the news about Jesus spread to the Gentile world. Greeks, Italians were like, mamma mia. You know, every nation and tongue under heaven heard about the saving power of Christ. That's the original purpose of tongues in the Bible. Cross-cultural evangelism, telling people about Jesus in their language. But the other two types of tongues that we see here in 1 Corinthians are public tongues with interpretation, where a Christian gets a word from God in an unknown language, he or she speaks it, somebody else interprets it, and then finally, private prayer language, where a believer speaks unknown syllables, he or she prays as, as they worship. It's a spiritual language, a tongue of men, Paul would even say perhaps angels, that only God himself understands. It's a charismatic gift. Where do we get this word charismatic from? Charis, the Greek charis, literally means gift or grace. That's where we get charismatic. It's someone who has a gift or a grace. They've done nothing to earn it, but simply out of God's heart for you. Your father loves you. Out of his kindness, out of his generosity, out of his desire to know you intimately, he pours a gift out as a sign of his love and his power and his mercy. And in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul gives us this list of charismatic gifts. Read this with me. He says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed or ignorant. I want you to get this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. To one, there is given through the Spirit a, and I put these in orange. Can we all list the gifts together when we come to the orange word? Give the message of what? Of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, and to another speaking in different kinds of tongues or languages, and to still another the interpretation of, of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit distributes them to each one just as he determines. So if you look here, you'll see the Apostle Paul list nine different charismatic gifts given by the Spirit. And take a look, what is first on the list? What's number one in the mind of Paul? The gift of, does anybody see it there? Look at it. Wisdom, yes. Can you believe it? Paul says, I want you to be smart about these things. Now, notice what's last on the list. Tongues, which is revealing. I believe one of the main reasons there's controversy surrounding this subject is because there's a lot of Christians who are very excited about practicing the gift of tongues while they neglect the gift of wisdom. They fail to use discernment and see how it affects others. And that's what was going on in, in Corinth. 
The church in Corinth was out of control. It was chaotic. You've heard of like uh, girls gone wild. This was like churches gone wild, okay? There was sexual immorality in the church in Corinth. People actually were cutting in front of each other in the communion line, like shoving people out of the way. And they were speaking over one another because and they went crazy over tongues because gr- the Greeks were trained. They're a very sensual culture and they love sensational things. And when this charismatic gift popped out, they went gaga. They're yelling over each other. They're grabbing the mic. They're like, I got a word. Everybody, in other words, wanted the gift of tongues. Nobody practiced the gift of wisdom. So Paul wrote this letter to correct them. He says, hey, guys, I don't want this to be out of control, and I don't want you to be ignorant or uninformed. Let me explain how this works. I want to teach you about how you can practice this gift in a way that is in control, is consistent with the spirit of Jesus, because God is a God of order, not disorder. He's a God of peace, not chaos, and unity. So Paul clears up the misconceptions by explaining the purpose of tongues this way. He goes in chapter 14. If you flip over there real quickly, we're going to be in both these chapters. He says, follow the way of what? Of love. So love's the context. And eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. You should really want this. Especially prophecy. And I'm going to get into that next week. What is prophecy? For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to who? To God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the what? By the Spirit. And so a good definition of speaking in tongues is simply a spiritual language, a prayer or a praise that's uttered in syllables that you don't understand as the speaker. It's a spiritual language that God gives some Christians in order to worship Jesus in a very intimate way from the deeper place of their soul. And the primary purpose of this is stated in verse 4. Paul says, anyone who speaks in a tongue, what's the word there? Edifies themselves. That word edifies means builds up. Think of the word like edifice, right? A building. You're building something up. And the idea is this. When people pray in tongues, they are being strengthened. They are being encouraged in their inner man or inner woman. God's building them up at a soul level. Let me tell you how this looked in my own spiritual journey, which started over 40 years ago. I already told you how I moved along this continuum from cessationist to skeptic when I met Colleen and other charismatics who are like, they're not crazy, they're very sincere believers. But then in my 30s, I took another step along this spectrum and actually became a seeker of the gifts. This started when my earthly father grew sick with cancer. You know the story, he had lymphoma. We were praying for his healing. Let me tell you, when someone close in your life gets sick, suddenly miraculous gifts become very relevant, okay? And I was praying one day for my father's healing and felt like God saying, Tim, he's actually not going to be healed. You're going to lose your earthly father, which was devastating to me because he was my closest friend in life. He's the reason I'm your pastor today. He's the godliest man I ever met. But I felt like God saying, when your earthly father passes, Tim, I am going to step in as your heavenly father. And I'm going to baptize you and give you experiences that you've never had. I'm not going to wipe away what's been in your past. I'm actually going to build on the biblical training and commitment of truth you have. But I am going to open a brand new chapter in your life, Tim, and pour out my power and love. And I didn't really know what that meant. But at that time, I began studying these gifts here in 1 Corinthians, and I became very convicted to do what Paul commands in verse 1. Look what he says. He says, eagerly what? Desire gifts of the Spirit. That's best translated actively seek, go after, pursue this. And so I became a seeker. I began seeking those gifts. I said, hey, 
Father, if you have more for me as your child, I want it. I want everything God has for me. And God highlighted this verse for me in Luke 11, where Jesus says, or I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, what? Knock and the door will be opened to you. In other words, really go after this thing, Jesus said. So I began asking, I began seeking, I began knocking. In fact, I began praying and saying, God, I would love to have an experience with some of these gifts because I've heard about this kind of thing. I've never participated in a healing. That would be amazing to see. Uh, You know, speaking in tongues, I'm sort of not, don't have any experience, but I'm open to that. I began talking to people who actually came from different backgrounds than me and saying, what is that like? How does that happen? You can pray for me. And one of the most helpful books that I found, and I can recommend this to you if you're interested in in, uh, looking into this, is The Beauty of Spiritual Language, Unveiling the Mystery of Speaking in Tongues by Jack Hayford, who's both a pastor and a theologian out in California. It is one of the most balanced and biblical uh, approaches to this topic that I've ever seen. So I began really immersing myself in Scripture, reading Acts, underlining all references to the Holy Spirit, looking at 1 Corinthians, and I was like, you know, I am convinced God still speaks today. Jesus still heals today. That stuff happens. I said, God, I'm open to any of it. And so I began asking and seeking and knocking for 40 days. And you know what happened? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Nothing happened. Except I had this newfound appetite for God. I had this holy hunger. And that spring, my earthly father died. And in the months following, the Lord is very close to me, you know, as a father. And that's when he illuminated the second half of Luke 11, where Jesus says, Tim, you have the heart of a father. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? What are you scared of? If you then, though you're evil in comparison to God, know how to give good gifts to your children, watch what Jesus says. How much more... Will your Father in heaven, read this together, give the Holy Spirit to those who what? Ask him. Ask, seek, knock. And that just captured my heart. This idea that though my earthly father was gone, who I looked to all my cues in spiritual growth, now my heavenly father was saying, I'm going to fill that void. And I'm going to give you a gift he could never give. I am going to give you a measure of the Holy Spirit. In your life, your marriage, your ministry, the church isn't going to be the same. And that just captured my heart. I, like, I didn't know how that would look. I didn't know when it would happen. Fast forward to this summer. Our family goes on vacation down the shore, okay? And you guys know who live in New Jersey. The Jersey Shore is actually beautiful, right? It's nothing like MTV. This is a picture I took of where I was walking on the beach in Ocean City. What I love to do, we got away for like a a, a little bit of a two weeks almost where I'm just like, I'm not preaching or doing anything. And so like, I can just like, you know, let my hair down a little bit. And I love getting up early in the morning, you know, like when the kids are still asleep. And I go out, kind of walk on the beach. You can watch the sunrise. And you guys who are naturalists know, right? I mean, it's like a, it's a powerful experience. I had my Bible. I had an iPod. I was listening to some songs. And I was reading 1 Corinthians 14, what we're looking at today, just reveling in God's love for me. I'm like, this is the creator of the universe who created the wind, the waves, the sun, and me. He knit me together in my mom's womb. And he had a purpose for my life. And he said, Tim, I'm going to fill you in a way that your earthly father can and I was just, and I was singing along, you know, to the song I was listening. No one was there. I didn't care. And so I just started praying. And the next thing I know, I just had this flood of emotion. And this thing just started welling up in my belly. This idea that my father on earth was now with my father in heaven. And I was flooded with this sense of just peace and joy. And next thing I know, these words start pouring out of my mouth. And I didn't know what they were. I was like, that's not the lyrics to the song. 
You know, my mind was praising God, but my mouth was speaking in a language I didn't recognize. Now, let me clarify what did not happen. This was not some hypnotic trance. Like all of a sudden, my eyes rolled back in my head, I started foaming at the mouth, and I ran naked into the water. That's, that's not what happened here. It's not what happened. I was very much in control, but there was a conscious submission saying, Lord, I am right open to you. I just put your word is in my head, now put them in my mouth. And it gave me this beautiful, just praising God to worship him with. And so here's the miracle. I, the first time I ever spoke in tongues was at the Jersey Shore. That's a miracle. And here's what's more. I've done it every day since. See, this is a beautiful thing. It is a blessing. It is a boon to your prayer life. When it happens, the only thing I can tell you is this. I feel deeply connected to the Holy Spirit. And that's because the Bible says God is spirit and so are you. Yeah? So you and I are made in God's image. The problem with this is this. We're spirit. Our soul is encased in this earth suit, okay? We got this flesh that gets in the way. But our spirit longs to be one with God's spirit. Your heart connected with God's heart. And tongues is one of those channels for you to share that exchange. The best way I can describe it to you is like an exchange of two-way prayer. It's like two channels where the spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Prior to speaking in tongues, the best thing I could say is that I really struggled in prayer because it felt a lot of times like a one-way monologue. You ever feel like that when you're praying? Like I would always have this long list of requests that I would pray, you know, to God. I'd pray for this person or ask for that need, and that's fine. Any type of prayer is beneficial, okay? But sometimes it felt like I was the only one speaking, and my thoughts would get cluttered and jumbled. I'm like, what's for dinner, and how many emails do I have left? And, but but when, I, when I pray in tongues, it is like this switch gets flipped. And I move from praying in my mind, my left brain, to my spirit. And God's spirit gives the expression to the deepest parts of my soul. When my life is totally chaotic, I can actually feel his peace descend on me. When life feels, uh, you know, when I'm feeling nervous or, or afraid, I got a big meeting or something, God will actually fill me with courage. And he'll bring things to mind that I couldn't think of, okay, just in my analytical left brain. I open God's word to you every week. Sometimes I actually need to hear God's word to me. And that's what spiritual language is. It's a two-way prayer exchange. God receives our words, and then he gives us his words in return. In fact, right now, did you know God has words to put in your mouth? Maybe not even words you recognize. You know what Romans 8.26 says? This is a mind blower. It says, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Sometimes we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with what? With groans that words cannot express. Even when you don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit is praying for you. Is that encouraging? That's incredible to me to think about, that the Holy Spirit sometimes prays in groans, sounds that seem strange, but he can exceed our linguistic limits, and that's what spiritual language is. It's just a gift of spiritual words that links a child's heart to God's heart, our passion to his passion, and it strengthens weak Christians like me. It edifies. It builds them up. It encourages their soul and their inner man. Now, I, I still pray in English the majority of the time, okay? If you look at verse 15, Paul says, hey, I'll pray with my spirit, but I'll also pray with my mind. But praying in tongues has increased my prayer life exponentially. That's how I know it's mostly from God, because I pray about 80% more now, okay? I pray, you know, in the car, while driving, in the shower. 
It's kind of like Wi-Fi. You guys have Wi-Fi in your house? We have real spotty Wi-Fi. You know, Verizon? Uh, so our Wi-Fi, if I have my laptop open in the house and I'm in the kitchen, which is close to the router, dead on. I get like a very quick down, you know, can download stuff, emails, all of that. But if I take my laptop up to the bedroom, you know what happens, right? It's like the bars go down, and I'm like, I'm holding the laptop around, walking, trying to get the signal. That's what prayer is like sometimes with the left part of my brain, you know, with my mind. It's not a very clear reception. What I do then in the, my, our bedroom is I have a cable, and I put a cable into my laptop, and I plug it in the wall, hardwired, and all of a sudden, boom, both ways. That's what it's like when I pray in the Spirit. It is this instant exchange where there's a divine download. My thoughts no longer are fuzzy and distracted. God actually brings to mind some of his words. My busyness settles down, and I receive direction. God's word often comes to mind. Now, that journey for me took a long time, right? From cessationist to skeptic to seeker to receiver. It took me 43 years because I'm a slow learner. Some of you are faster than me. But look at something. I'm 43 years old, and I am not slowing down. My intimacy with Christ is accelerating the older I get. I am not mellowing out. I feel myself heating up. Could you say the same thing? Or are you just going through the motions of what you've known for year after year in my tradition? Now we just sort of just do that. The Spirit has put a hunger in me a fire in me, and God is giving me an appetite for more of him, not the same old, same old. Is that an exciting thought to you? That no matter where you are on this continuum, no matter what your background is, there is more of the Holy Spirit for you to experience if you're willing to take a step outside your comfort zone. Just ask Clint Taylor. Clint is our worship leader at Liquid Mountainside. And he and his wife, Abby, are in their 20s, young kids. I had the privilege of performing their wedding earlier this year. And I praise God because in my 20s, man, I didn't have a hunger after God. But the Spirit led Clint recently to seek the Spirit's filling in a fresh way. This is his encounter. My name is Clint. This is my beautiful wife, Abby, and I serve as one of the worship leaders at Liquid Church. So I was at a friend's house, actually babysitting their daughter. Her daughter goes down around 7 o'clock, um, so it's around 7.30, and I'm just sitting there in their living room, just worshiping with my guitar, and I had been actively desiring more of God. Um, and it had been on my radar speaking in tongues, and uh, so I was asking God, you know, is this for me? Like, would you give this to me if you desire me to have it? Um, and uh, the Holy Spirit, you know, that night just brought up things from my past, you know, for me to repent of. And then I felt the Lord say, um, get down on your knees, you know? And uh, I was like, okay. You know, in my head also, I've never ever really bowed before the Lord, like on just getting on the ground before, um, just complete humility. So I did, you know, I started getting down the floor, just hoping that uh, my friends wouldn't come home, find me on the floor. Um, and then I felt God say, no, you need to go all the way. So I just put my face right down on the ground and, and I was just, you know, I was just worshiping and I was, I was just really just sitting there in awe of God. And then all of a sudden, I just felt like almost like a clear heaviness just fall over me and I began speaking in tongues for the first time in my life and just waves of peace. I felt like I could tangibly feel God's love for me and I was just laying there in awe of Him essentially and uh, just began to worship. I began to sing in tongues um, until they came home. I got up, I stopped, but even to this day, you know, uh, you know, I'm just, I feel that hunger, that desire 
uh, that passion for the Holy Spirit and His leadership in my life. Um, it's really awakened something completely new in me. Isn't that cool? The guy in his 20s says, God has awakened this appetite, this passion for the Holy Spirit's leadership in my life. And that's what it is. It's actually surrendering aspects of your life that have seemed very in control and very in a box and saying, Lord, whatever you want to do, I want it. He was worshiping in private, and one day he felt God saying, humble yourself, kneel down. Your heart, I can see, is hunger for an experience of me. And the Lord filled him with peace and power. He started speaking in tongues, and Clint was telling me just what an encouragement that was, that like God actually hears, it builds him up. And now as he leads worship, it builds up our church. So understand, tongues are a private prayer language that have an overflowing public benefit. That's how it works in the church, in the body of Christ. Look what Paul writes in verse 5. He says this, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, though not everybody does. And I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. He's like, Corinthians, I understand you love tongues, and I love it too, and great. And we're going to talk about why he doesn't do a lot of it in church, but preaches more next week. But the main benefits are tongues are threefold. It's a spiritual language that edifies, it builds up or encourages your inner man or woman. It's a two-way prayer exchange for God's spirit to speak and commune with your spirit. And lastly, it is an experience of the Father's love. It is a, it's a third purpose. It's really a, to drive home a revelation of God's love from your head to your heart. That's what happened with Clint's wife, Abby. Abby had her own encounter with the Holy Spirit, and it really revealed Christ's love to her in a whole new way. I had been seeking the Lord um, for the gifts of the Spirit, and um, really, I, I desired the gift of tongues. Um, I you know, had been learning a lot about the gifts of the Spirit, and it just was something that stuck out to me, realizing that I could have it, um, made me really desire it. I was praying, and one of my spiritual mothers at the time, she came to me and, and embraced me. And as she embraced me, you know, she, she said, have you asked? And um, I said, yes. And she's like, I believe it's yours. And, and as she embraced me, I literally started to speak in tongues. And it was kind of the same heaviness that Clint felt. It was like the best heaviness you could ever experience. It was the most beautiful thing, honestly. Um, just all the love and the peace. It really, it's an overwhelming feeling. And it's just the goodness of God and it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, it became so real to me in that moment as well. And um, I was overwhelmed to the point that I actually, um, I fell out. And um, I just sort of basked in the Lord's presence, probably for an hour or so. I'm not really sure how much time passed, but um, it was the most beautiful things I've ever experienced. More than anything, the Holy Spirit revealed to me that, um, you know, the Lord accepts me. The Lord loves me. The Lord died on a cross for me. Um, and so it was, it was kind of like a, a full circle moment of going from realizing that fear of rejection to realizing that full and just beautiful acceptance that I have in Christ. And so I'm realizing that the Holy Spirit can do anything. Isn't that beautiful? Tongues gave Abby it's simply an intimacy with Christ that she had never experienced before. It wasn't an analytical left brain one. It was a right-brained experience. And she was sharing with me how the timing of that coincided with her parents going through a rocky season in their marriage, they were actually going through a divorce. And she was like, Tim, this happened to me around the time that my father sat me down as a little girl and said, I'm leaving the family. 
And he didn't mean it personally, but I felt it was a rejection of me, very personally. And she's like, it pierced my heart. It created this wound, and this spirit of rejection just filled her soul. And part of her testimony is how God reached into her heart at that moment and healed that wound, speaking these words, you are my daughter, I am your father, and I love you, I do not judge you, and I will never leave you, even when others let you down. And that was healing. It was the Holy Spirit replacing that fear of rejection and flooding her with the unconditional love of God. And what's even more remarkable, her mom and dad have actually since reconciled. God actually healed their marriage, and they're back together in serving Christ today. Pretty great, right? The Holy Spirit can do anything. But you have to open yourself to that. God can heal any wound. He can fill any void. And here's the good news. If you are hungry for a deeper revelation of God's love, even a new spiritual language to praise him with, it is here for the asking. You have to take God at his word, believing he's not just a good father, like your dad. He's a perfect father, unlike, and by comparison, he's evil, okay? And God actually says, I am going to ask you, ask, seek, knock. I love to get good gifts. And so at the end of today's service at every campus, we're going to invite any man or woman here who wants to ask for more from God, whether it's a spiritual language or just God's been speaking to you, maybe it's healing, whatever it is, to come forward to the front of the stage and we're going to pray for you. We're going to lay hands on you and we're going to actually wait on the Lord, just create an environment where his spirit has room to move. It's going to be orderly and peaceful, okay? Next Sunday, we're going to look at the guidelines that Paul gives for the practice of tongues and prophecy in a public setting. But today, if you feel like God is leading you to say, I'm available, Holy Spirit, I want all of you. When you give God your availability, he pours out his supernatural ability. That is how it works. And don't worry, we are not going to like have you come forward and then like knock you down or blow on you, throw you off the stage or something. We're not going to make you do anything you're uncomfortable with. Listen to me. Listen, this is important. That kind of hype and emotional manipulation is not loving, and it causes division in the church, as you're going to see next week. There are some people, honestly, who, who, who say, well, you want to speak in tongues, and you got to prime the pump. you got to say hallelujah like this. Just go hallelujah. Just kind of just go for it, you know, kind of thing. And, and, you know, listen to me. You know what that does? That turns the gift into a gimmick. Don't force folks. You never pressure. You don't prime the pump. It's silliness to say, you know, say, you should have bought a Honda nine times fast. Many believers in this church have been negatively impacted by an environment where they felt pressured or forced to fake it. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He doesn't force himself on anybody. The symbol of the Spirit is a dove, not a screaming hawk. Ah! Okay? So there's no pressure. You be patient. You wait on the Lord. And if God wants to release a gift in you, that's awesome. But you got to ask him for it. And if it doesn't come all at once, that's Okay. Scripture promises God rewards those who earnestly seek him. So let me be very clear about this. If you're like, so what's liquid's position on tongues? One, it is not proof of salvation. If, you're, you have, if you are saved, you already have the Holy Spirit, okay? Two, there's no pressure to do this. Rather, it's just a provision. It's another gift that God says, would you like this as my child? I'd love to give you, I'd love to hear more worship and prayers from you. So we're not going to pressure or manipulate or force anybody to do anything. We're just going to invite the Spirit to touch you and minister to you as he did the last service. Maybe he'll release a personal prayer language in you. Maybe he'll touch you at a different place where you need healing. But just be open to whatever God wants to do. And by all means, don't feel pressure. Because speaking in tongues is not necessary for salvation. You will have some Pentecostal people who say, oh, no, 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 no. Being Spirit-filled is always accompanied by speaking in tongues. Here's the truth. That is not biblically accurate. In 1 Corinthians 12, 
Paul says, um, do all speak in tongues? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all perform miracles? It's a rhetorical question. The obvious answer is no, and you must never forget that. Plenty of spirit-filled Christians down through the ages never spoke in tongues. Billy Graham, John Calvin, Martin Luther, Amy Carmichael never spoke in tongues. Did they have an impact for Christ? They changed the world. And understand this, for me, the godliest man I knew in my life who influenced everything, my earthly father, never spoke in tongues. But he had the gift of wisdom. And he loved truth. And he taught his son to follow truth wherever it leads. So be very aware of words like always and never. You have to avoid extremes at either end of the spectrum. On the one side are cessations who say that stuff never happens. It shouldn't be allowed in the church. But it actually contradicts the Bible. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, do not forbid speaking in tongues. Very hard to get around that clarity. In other words, Paul's like, never say never. On the other hand, don't say always. Charismatics, they must, you must always speak in tongues. If not, you're not, you're not spirit-filled. You know what it does? It creates division. There's two classes of Christian. There's like those who speak in tongues, the varsity, and everyone else is JV, right? Haves and have-nots. You know what that is? That's spiritual pride. And it is the number one reason Paul wrote this letter to Corinthians. They became so zealous, they began competing for this gift and creating chaos and division, which grieves the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that hurts God's heart? In the kingdom of God, there are no second-class Christians. Amen? The number one sign of the Spirit is unity and peace, not division and disorder. So some believers get the gift of speaking in tongues, and some don't. That's just the way it is. The gifts are given by the Spirit. He decides who gets what. But understand, your Heavenly Father loves. When you come as a humble child and say, God, I, I want more. Every believer in this church is free to seek and receive the gift of spiritual language without the pressure of doctrinal demand, all right? It's a provision for you. And that's really the vision God's put in my heart as a senior leader. I know you're like, so where's this going, Tim? Is this what we're going to become all about? No. This is a secondary issue. The primary is, is who we are in Christ. But as lead pastor, I want Liquid Church to have a big tent. And so the vision God's given me for our church is that we should have people all along the spectrum and no matter where they come from, conservative Baptist to Pentecostal AG, everybody who comes to Liquid Church feels loved, feels respected, feels welcome because our unity in Jesus Christ, that is the only thing we must agree on. All this other stuff, even spiritual gifts, those are all secondary issues. So I want our church to be a safe place where we can take a next step together. What does that look like? Let me close with a picture. It's significant to me that I first spoke in tongues on the beach. I want you to pretend that the beach represents the kingdom of God. So everybody on the beach is saved, okay? Here's our church. We're all on the beach. Woo! We're all Christians. If you ever go to a public beach, you ever notice there's people at all different levels of the beach? Like some people are just sitting in the sand and they're reading their book and we're like, I'm not going in the water. Then there are people who like wade up to their ankles a little bit. That's where they feel safe. Then there are others who are like way out past the breakers like, woo, come on out here. There's like even people back in the parking lot. They're like, I don't want to get sunburned, you know. I... I think a healthy church should have people all over the beach. Listen to me. When it comes to gifts of the Spirit, there are some people, like me, how I grew up, who are like, you know, I'm just comfortable sitting under the umbrella and reading my book, you know? And the problem is, is that then there's people like my brother who lives in San Francisco. He's not happy when we go to the beach. If he doesn't get his paddleboard, go out past the breakers in the lifeguard house, he's going to be like, too far, blowing the whistle. You're going to get eaten by a shark. Then he's like, woo, now we're at the beach. The problem is this. People on the beach judge the others. 
Those who are sitting on the sand look at people way out past the breakers. and They say, too far. Don't get crazy with this gifts of the Spirit stuff. Come in close. That's too dangerous. Whereas people out in the deep end are like, you suckers on the sand. That's not call that going to the beach. You're not even getting wet. Listen to me. I believe a healthy church, a balanced church, should have people all over the beach. Amen? We're not to judge, but we are to be open. And here's my challenge to you today. Are you willing to take one step closer to the water today? Because scripture says, I want you to eagerly desire. I want you to actively seek the Holy Spirit. Every Christian should have a deeper hunger for God. If there's more of God to be had, I want it, don't you? Remember, tongues are God's idea. In fact, do you know where the first mention of tongues in the New Testament comes from? Who said it? Not Paul. The lips of Jesus himself. He said, in these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, Jesus, they will what? Speak in new tongues. That's where spiritual language starts in the New Testament, from the lips of Christ himself. So this is a safe risk to take in my book, all right? So here's what we're going to do. If you feel God's spirit drawing you to receive this gift or just be open to whatever God has for you, we're going to invite you to come up to the stage and we're going to do it a little bit different. We're going to ask you to just come up and not be in any line. You could, you could kneel down like Clint did. You could whatever, open your hands, whatever you want to do. And what we're going to do is our care team and our pastors are here and we're going to pray for you and we're going to lay hands on you. Because in the Bible, there's a connection between the laying on of hands and being filled with the spirit. In fact, in Acts 8, it says this, when Peter and John arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they may receive the Holy Spirit. So they believed they hadn't received because the Holy Spirit had not come on any of them. They'd simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. But watch what it says. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and what happened? They received the Holy Spirit. They were filled in a fresh way. In other words, they went from believers to receivers in a single step. A similar thing occurred when Paul visited the Ephesians believers in Acts 19. It says, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So there was an activation that happened, an impartation, when anointed leaders lay their hands on them, and that's what we're going to do now. We're just going to do what the Bible tells us to do. So at all of our campuses, when you come up here for prayer, our pastors, campus uh, leaders, our care team will be here. And they're just going to kind of mill about and mix and mingle. But you spend some time just praying yourself. Wait on the Lord. Be open to whatever he wants to do. Don't be afraid. This is not hocus pocus. We had a powerful moment at the last service. God's spirit is already here. Let me tell you something. I'm just, this isn't in my notes, but I'm just going to tell you. From the last service, we had some people come up here and we said, how can we pray for you? They said, I'm just up here to repent of my judgment. I spent the better portion of my Christian life judging other Christians. And I realized today I grieve the Holy Spirit. And I'm up here to repent. That's you? Praise God. What a beautiful thing that God would give you a spirit of repentance today. That's a beautiful thing. God blesses that. The Spirit blows on that. But if you're here, God, I need a fresh filling. I'm facing things in my life. You come up. Kneel down. Put your hands out. Whatever you want to do. And we're just going to worship. If you're in your chairs, you just pray for the people who are up here. So let's just bow our heads right now, all of our campuses. Holy Spirit, I repent, God, of the time I wasted in my life judging. God, you are the only one to judge, and you're a righteous judge, and you have made a way for us, Father God, to be forgiven. So Father, forgive us now as your people. We want all of you, God, all of you. We give you all of us. 
Father, flood your people now as they come forward in faith. Draw them as a safe, loving Father who has more to give. And touch them, Lord. Let them know right now, Father God, that you have created their soul for your spirit. And fill them. Let it overflow their lives, Father God. Draw near now in our time of worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you are inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.